Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? give some people some context first of all yes you're hearing this uh and it's so you're not confused the email episode that you heard last week was us from mississippi and then the thursday episode you heard with more emails was from mississippi and technically we're still in mississippi even though you're hearing this during a new week uh because andy and i are off after Mississippi. So we needed to record a podcast to fill the, the and we, time. And we needed a break. That too. And this is should be called the frustration episode. Yeah, I'm going to let you name it that. <laughs> uh, so here's the context. Uh, I have not enjoyed this experience at all. Um, and I told Andy earlier, I said, dude, if we were the Avengers, you would be Captain America. Because no matter how shitty of a situation... Something is you always find the bright spot. I'm trying to, to stay that way. And I'm more like Iron Man. I'm cynical. I'm sarcastic, uh, partly arrogant. Um, but part of what's been so fucking uh, horrific about this experience is the hotel we're staying in in downtown Mississippi. Eh? Tell them about the gun line, ball. The fucking air conditioning has not been working. And I don't understand. We got here. I we got here on Thursday. This shit's been out all week. What company can they not call that can't come out and fix this fucking thing? And, and this is a Marriott. We're not staying in a, some rinky dink shit. Yeah, it's a Marriott. And 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 no one from the hotel has fixed this air conditioning. It's unbearable in the room. It's unbearable in the hallways. The elevator stinks. All the old dead mistakes are coming to life. <laughs> And so, you know, in, in, the, in the fashion of Southern hospitality, this nice gentleman that works the front desk goes, I can get y'all a couple of fans. And he goes in the back. He pulls out two fans. I'm thinking he's going to set the fans up here where we're doing the podcast, which is in the lobby. Because, because yeah. yeah, because it's not as hot. 
And he says something that me and Andy both can't really make out, but we're thinking he's saying he's going to take them up to our rooms because he asked both of us, what rooms y'all in? Now, I'm thinking when he asked that, he was simply saying, just so I could mark it down in inventory. Right, that's what I thought. Where, yeah, where the fans are. But lo and behold, he's really taking them up to the rooms. And Andy goes, man, he doesn't have to do that. That's Andy being capped. Yes, the fuck he does. We're going to go up there anyway. I don't give a fuck. He don't own the hotel. It don't. I don't give a fuck. We have been inconvenienced. We are in this sweltering Mississippi, a time to kill heat. I'm losing weight. I'm losing everything. <laughs> Nigga, the, 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 this has been a horrendous weekend on all fronts. It's the least a motherfucker can do. As much as I've been bombing, I don't think I deserve anybody to do anything. Oh, brother, stand the fuck up. Man, it's the, it's been a bad... It, it, you know, again, I, I don't want to comment on necessarily uh, the South and, and any preconceived notions of what that is. But I'm going to tell you, Sunday was my best set, and it's because I slowed my... Very, I, and I do talk fast. People tell me that all the time. But I had to slow that shit down. Because I sound funny to them, and they sound funny to me. I guess. Um, <laughs> we addressed it a little bit last week. I know. And again, I'm, I'm, this is a learning curve for me. Because I'm, I'm trying to be better for business. But to have to walk around... This minefield of expression where you, you, you again, and I'm, I'm not shitting on the, what else is going on, man? Exactly. Uh, man, uh, we didn't talk about a lot of things on those last two podcasts because we kept them light. Right. Uh, we didn't discuss. Like uh, right now, let me just, before we get, <laughs> like this is what I'm feeling right now. I feel a sense of, uh, like I'm stuck because usually after shows, there's an adrenaline rush, and and you and you know, first of all, when you're in your room all day, which is generally the life we live, when we finally get out, it's because it's time to work. Which and by that time, it's nighttime. So picture this: you get up ten, eleven o'clock in the morning. You got nowhere to go. The downtown is as dead as a desert. There's nothing to do. You're in your room all day in the desert because there's no air conditioning. You're itching to get out. And then finally you get out. You do your show. There's a natural adrenaline rush from having performed. You don't go back to the room. Now, Andy does most times. But, but for me, I, you know, I like to unwind. And plus, I've been trapped all day, so this is a chance for me to, let, to, to finally be out. If I'm going to get out, I'm out now, goddammit. Well, let's back this up, though, a minute. Because I usually will go out for a couple drinks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. haven't because I'm, I have COVID fear. Right. And I'm not going out. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But, and, 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 and tonight, like every night I've been hanging out at this place called um, uh, Last Call. And the owner of the place, little very nice Filipino man, came to the show tonight. Um, and they're open till 2 o'clock. Now, granted, we got to get up at 6.30 in the morning, catch a flight. So I don't, I don't really want to be out till that late anyway because if I stay out till almost 2, that means by the time I get back, 
eat my food, go to sleep. It's three. Now I'm hustling and bustling, bustling off a three and a half hours sleep, and I don't like to feel that either. So, but I figured if I did go out tonight, I'd get there around 9.45, leave no later than, you know, 12 is the, is the, is the, the finale. By the time I get here, get back, unwind, eat, go to sleep, it's 1.30. So I got a little bit more time. But again, me and Andy was like, yo, let's knock out this podcast. But you couldn't eat in that room. You couldn't bring your food back here and eat. It's too but here's what I've been, but that's what I'm saying. Prior to tonight, Friday, Saturday, and Thursday, I didn't get back till two. And I got so buzzed from drinking that once I scarfed my shit down, I basically passed out. So the, I, I took, a, again, what's that shit? Uh, not Novocaine, but uh, when they put you to sleep, the, the shit they shoot you with. Uh, anesthesia? Is it anesthesia? Yeah, it's anesthesia, but they don't shoot you with it. Well, whatever, whatever it is. Okay, yeah, I got yeah. you. But uh, it's like I can bypass the heat because the alcohol and the food is my anesthesia. Okay. It puts me to sleep. Sleep, I got you. So it's like, but now, here we are. It's fucking 10 o'clock. I haven't drank anything. Everything food-wise, there's no options. I ain't nothing even going to deliver at this time. So now I got to find a way to sleep in this fucking heat, which I know is going to be impossible, so I'm going to be up anyway. I'm saying all that to say I don't know what to do with myself right now because part of me feels like I want to go out, but part of me feels like I don't need to be out, but I want to do something because I, I, between the heat and being in the room and after, and after we do this, it'll be around 11. Ah, I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I can't disagree with you on anything. It's hot, but uh, yeah, I don't want to go. I, I just I want to try to at least lay in bed. And if you don't move, if you don't move, you sound like a black parent. <laughs> if you lay your ass down and you don't move, <laughs> and you just don't move, and you get naked and let the and let what little air is coming in circulate. Oh Jesus, it's where we're it's where we're dealing with. Dude, I told you in the green room tonight at the club, I sat, we got, I, I got a chair. There's the bed, the desk with the chair, and there's a little sofa chair. I sat in that sofa chair all day naked and in the dark with the shades drawn. And at one point, the fucking TV signal goes out. So now there's no light in the room, and I'm naked in this chair hot. This has been hor- horrible. I, I, only because I see the because I know what the room looks like. Just it's a, it's a it's a it's a horrible look. It's a horrible look. <laughs> it's just the idea of it. It was and it was so hot. Yeah, the TV's cut out. Yeah. Now usually when the TV's cut out and there's no signal, it's because it's thundering and lightning out, and sometimes that interrupt. Sun is out. It's bright. It, I, but when we got done with the show tonight, this is this is the extra topper for this evening. It hasn't been humid here. It's been pretty dry because uh, there, it, there's, it just hasn't been any rain. So the humidity's been pretty good. And even though it's been hot, it, but it ha- it's dry. And then when we got out of the club tonight, <laughs> it rained really hard. Oh, during my set, it's pouring down. It's making so much noise. But beyond the fact that the crowd stunk, 
Now I'm battling this 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 loud rain hitting the bill. Oh God! I, I wish I wish some of you guys did stand up, <laughs> so you could understand. Because no matter what I say to y'all, you're not fully gonna get it because you don't do this. I wish you could feel what it feels like to stand in a room, not even full of people, because the room ain't full, and it just you you check out mentally, but you still got to do your shit. But you you don't you you don't feel a connection with the crowd at all at all. No, and. Like I said, I, I I had some bad sets here, and there was just times when I I was like, man, that that was that I hit the punchline, and it was nothing, nothing at all. And I'm like, did I say it wrong? Did I do it wrong? How did I not? And I know this is works because I've done it. It's not the first time it's been said, dude. I know I've jokingly said a lot of times that there's no such thing as bad sex, but there is. But it's like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. Dude, a bad set is like bad sex. You got to finish. You're going through the motions. This is supposed to feel good. Most times it does. But when it's not, you just got to muscle your way through it. And it's, a, it's an unenjoyable joy. Yeah, unenjoyable joy. That's, that makes sense because no matter what, we didn't have to punch in the clock. We didn't have to go to work for yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's but but we felt the pain of it this yeah, week. Yeah, when it's when it's not fun. Oh, like I don't ever, almost never, almost never get off on time, and I always do an hour fifteen. And if I'm really rocking, close to an hour thirty or longer, longer. <laughs> I don't ever look at my watch or wonder. There were several times I said to Andy, hey, how long I been on? <laughs> I wanted to get the fuck off that stage, dude. Like, let me tell you, when we do Ontario, the electricity in that room from hello to good night, it, 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 it goes through you. When they laugh and they roar, it goes through your body. You don't want that to end. Okay, but just to be fair to these guys, I just want to make sure... They've only been open a short time. <sighs> then COVID kicked in, and they've been closed. We're only the second. Uh, this is only the second week they're open. They're in a difficult location. They have some work to do. I don't want to, I don't want to just. I swear to God, I'm not going to do it, but I feel like I'm cheating you guys because I'm not able to say the things that I think you need to hear to understand this shit. But if I do that again, I'm I'm doing something that could be bad for business, so I'm biting my tongue, and it's killing me. <laughs> it's killing me. The way they operate, the way they'll figure it out. Let's. Uh, <laughs> why don't you take your anger out on on like Trump? <laughs> Let's talk about Trump. Oh God, we can talk. I'm gonna let you lead with this. Well, you don't want to talk about his big... Uh, yeah, 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 that, yeah. Now, this yeah, might seem a little dated, you guys, because this is going to be a week old by the time you hear it. But Trump had uh, his uh, rally in uh, in Tulsa. Right. And uh, I think the cat's out of the bag. I think people figured it out. I think they finally figured it out. I think some of them have figured it out, or, or more are figuring, out, figuring it out. Uh, they didn't go to the circus. No, they didn't. And they said that uh, he... I guess he projected a million attendees. Well, he saw he had a million requests for tickets. What he said, which we can tell is a lie, 
because they said 6,000, I think the number was 6,640 showed up. For you to be that off mathematically? Well, he, was, he thought he was going to sell out what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to sell out that little arena that they were in. And then they were supposed to do, uh, he was supposed to speak in there. And then the overflow of all the extra people, were, they were going to do an outside, a second uh, part of the rally. And, the, and, and the, that would have made the million? No, well, those, I don't even know how many they were thinking it was going to be. They wanted overflow. Those people never even showed up. They, 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 everybody left. They never did the second part. Because no one showed up for it. And you know what was crazy was I love the video of him getting off the helicopter. Did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Everybody, they, he looked dejected. They called it the walk of shame. I mean, you should see it. I saw a picture. His, I, yeah, I you saw a picture. Well, it, it, just a picture. I didn't see the video. But, but you know what? The picture is a thousand words, but the video, you could see it in the body language. When he was walking, the ties undone. The, sh- the shirt's unbuttoned a little bit, like he just left the club. The McDonald's is hanging out of his pocket. It's, it's, it's You could see it in his face, like he just knew he, he took L on this one. Um, you know, listen, for all that, never kick a man when he's down, I say bury the motherfucker. Um, because, because the only thing I take great from this is if what is happening is what they say is happening better late than never. If his, if his minions, or at least some of them, are starting to go, damn, this, this, he, this ain't it. Good. Um, I saw Brewster's Millions again recently mm. where, they, where he was running for election, then he has to go out and say, just vote for none of the above. You know, the, no one was worthy of that vote, the, the person he was running against and himself. And... Uh, Man, it would be so much fun if we could we could just vote. If, if it comes down to Biden and Trump, it would be great just to vote for none of the above and tell them to get in there and do it again and do it right. Well, I'm, I'm not, I don't, you know. Dude, Biden was on TV, and this is not to uh, up Trump. This is just saying that the system is, is, is the flaws. We can see the flaws. The makeup is coming off. We see, we see what's wrong. But Biden came out and he said, uh, Trump, wake up. And he paused for a long time, and he goes, there's still a lot of work to be done. And he paused again, and he goes, thank you. That was his, that was his speech, man. Right. I mean, I, listen, we need another look. This, this, this dude uh, definitely can't lead uh, Trump. I'm talking about Trump. But I fear the other guy. I feel, I'm scared. Uh, but... It also depends on who his running mate is, but I really think, I really believe, I really, again, I shouldn't say believe because that never works out for me. I really hope that they go to that Democratic uh, convention and they, uh, they pull him and then they put somebody that I would want to vote for. I wish black comedy clubs would get their shit together. <laughs> I really do, dude. You know, and, and it's, it's like, you, you guys heard us talk about this uh, and I mentioned Chicago's all jokes aside once upon a time ago when that was around, how tip-top that was. And uh, I, and I know black people, we can do it because we've done it. I just wish we could just be more on the mark. I just really wish we could be more on the mark. You want the Caucasian explanation? please. Honestly, this and I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going to get hate for it, and this is the, this is just the way it goes. 
It's the same thing that I'm saying in politics. And this is how politics has worked forever. The Democratic Party had the, had the black vote, and so that they just rolled out what they rolled out, and, and they expected to get uh, the vote. Again, with the Black Comedy Club, you bring in a black artist, black people are going to come support, and it's not about the club doing a good job that the reason they want to come out and enjoy themselves is because they're coming out to support the comic. And so they, as, as, as an audience... As an audience, the audience has to demand better service, better food, better. And I'm not saying, I, I've been to a lot of clubs with you, so I'm not speaking just straight out my ass right now. But there are some clubs that do it better than others. Listen, um, I get that sometimes we're behind the eight ball, and I get that we don't always... We haven't always been put in a position to get out of the starting blocks evenly. But at some point, the longer you stick around, if you really want to do it right, do your homework, do your research, go over to the other team's huddle and see what's going on and copy if you have to. It ain't that hard. No, and this isn't about money. This isn't about better chairs or better. This is just about starting on time. Making sure that your security is not outside in the parking lot, listening to music on their phone when they should be inside. Like, 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 like if something jump off in the club, um, what's the point of security if you have to go get them? Because the security guard said, man, they come get me. Come get you, nigga. I've been in situations where, dude, I, I've not, I don't want to say attack, but... Hostile audiences. It happens fast. Ain't nobody got time to come get you. Put your chicken wings down and be professional. Listen, this is a, this is such a love-hate thing I got with uh, how we do. Because, let's be honest, when we do what we do, the way we do it, when we do it right, how we know how to do it, Black people, we some of the best to ever do it. But to the opposite of that, so many times we don't have our shit together. And I don't mind, again, I don't mind not having your shit together when you start. But as you continue to progress and you continue to stay in the game, not trying to get your shit together is what I have a problem with. I'm just saying there's professionalism, man. Things should be run a certain way. And when they're not, it's just, it's frustrating. It's just frustrating. So, that's all I'm saying. Is there, should we blow a wind or that sound that you do when something bad might happen? No. No. <laughs> I, you know, that's what I'm saying to y'all. Like, I, I, I'm, 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 I don't know how to not explain this without having to explain it. Because when you said they'll figure it out, some of them might. But even for the ones that don't, I'm, ch- I just, I'm trying to paint a picture here of the world we live in and what we do when we do what we do. But, you, but the service has to, no one's going to make a change if people aren't demanding the change. In, in all aspects. That's, you know. Well, if the mentality of the people from the from the business side of things versus the 
audience side of things is the same, then nothing changes. No. That's why, I mean, that's why writing a letter sometimes isn't the worst. I mean, it, we make fun of it because it generally is a white housewife that just is irritated and wasn't her way. But there is something to be said about writing a letter in, a, in an honest way to somebody to let them know, hey, I'm, I want to support you. But, you know, this is, these are, these are, I have some issues with these things. Or just say it to them. Pull the manager. Ask for the manager. I mean, God, it sounds so white to say that. Ask for the manager. But what are you going to do? It's, you're spending the same money. You know, listen, I, I'm, I, if, if this makes me seem bougie, I don't know what the right word is, a dick, an ass. Again, this, I have to lean on. I, you can't sell me on wanting things to be done properly, competently, professionally is a bad thing. You can't sell me on that. Nope. Oh, man, you're just being, you know, I'm not buying that. But in the reality of the small clubs, there's only a very few, and not, I'm not, not talking about black clubs or white clubs, whatever. There's only a, a small amount of clubs that are small that are like those, has 10 units or less that are doing a really good job. I can only think of about four. That are doing a really good job? They're doing a good job. The rest are all struggling trying to figure it out as well. Who would afford it at doing a good job? I think Helium's doing a really good job. And where? Uh, St. Louis? St. Louis, the black one. Uh, St. Louis, that, they do a good nice. They're it's great. Run, they're, it's run they're, really well. Their run. Philadelphia clubs run real well. Yeah, but we're talking about the black just, rooms, okay? Because the, the helium, all the other heliums are white, and yeah. it's a franchise. Yep. So they they stay within a but, in a, but, in a cold. but it's a small group. Regardless, they only have what do you say? Seven seven clubs: Portland, Buffalo, St. Louis, Philly. Um. I think one more Buff- somewhere. Buffalo, Buffalo, Philly, St. Louis, Portland, and they have the Bana- Philly, and then they have uh, uh, they got Good Nights. Okay, yeah, six. Okay, so St. Louis is the black one, though. Yeah, well, and Good Night and, and Good Nights. That's not really black. It's not. It's the major- the audience is majority. Well, black. that's what I meant. Yeah. But no, no, no. But the way it's who runs it. Okay. Who I, runs? I, I it. see what you're saying. Yeah. But. All I'm saying is, and, and I wasn't trying to make it a, 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 a black or white room thing. I'm just saying small groups of comedy clubs, there's only independents. There's only a few ones that really do it well. I was going to say uh, Helium, and then the guy from that has the Tacoma and the one we just did, the uh, Brickyard. That's the same owner, and he has like two, two or three other clubs. Those aren't black run. They're small clubs, but what, tell but, me. But do you see my point, though? Yeah. Whether it's small club or big club, my point is the white clubs do it right. The black clubs, with the exception of St. Louis, Helium, and, you know, but a, a couple. It, I, listen, and this is why what makes this hard to say, because believe me, I want, I want my people to succeed. I want them to do well. But when you've done this long enough and you've been to all the clubs, it's like, okay, again, how long can you make excuses? Well, you know, we don't have the that they have. Well, you know, we didn't. I hear all that. But you've been in the game a while now. And once you start multiplying your franchise, now we got two of those, three of those. Okay. Don't you think as you progress, 
you supposed to tighten the ship? Well, and that's the, that's the other thing because the one club, uh, uh, we're, I'm, I'm trying not to be specific, but as we're as who we're talking, what we're relating to right now, their one club is doing is is run fairly well. Yeah, it's just that when you open open multiple clubs, you got to tighten up even more because now you're watering down your brand because you just you set it out there with new people, new. Uh, servers, new managers, new everything. And, and let me say this too, so y'all really understand. Once you've had it done right, once you've experienced the right way, it's hard to go backwards. That's like I always used to, I always say with, with women. Once a bitch tastes lobster, going back to fish sticks or going to fish sticks. Uh, but you know, it's not a fair comparison, one hundred percent, for you to make because. There's probably a lot of good rooms that you don't do because they're too small and they 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 wouldn't be able to afford you to come to that room. They do a good job. There are black rooms that are black run, but they bring in smaller, not lesser known acts or less expensive. Acts. And I get that. And, so and, 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 and I, I, but I wouldn't knock that because again, they're not in a position. To, it, well, even with that, there's still we. I, you, I cannot get away from the word professionalism it don't matter how small you are if you're a business the word business and professionalism go together or should go together like peanut butter and jelly yeah for success now how much you can do in terms of your limitations yeah i get it you might not be able to bring out the a-list acts because you can't afford it that's a different conversation even if you are small, but small and done right is very different from, you know, uh, small and not being done right. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I got it. I have a friend in Phoenix. He has a very small club. It's only 110 seats. Runs it. Like, ultimately, like, I, I, I'm shocked at how well he runs that small room. But my question for him is he, if he grew that room to 200 seats and then he opened up a couple more, would he be able to still run it that way? So I mean, there's a lot of challenges in this business, but I know what you're saying. But don't you think a lot of people take shortcuts too? Because I would think that, you know, as you grow, that means the money's growing. Because if, if, if you can grow from 100 seats to 300 seats, that's because you're making the kind of money that allows you to make that jump. And if you can make that jump... That means you got the money to make it. And if you got the money to make it, if you do what you're supposed to do in terms of paying the right people to do the right jobs properly, doesn't that all work itself out? Again, though, you said something uh, in the beginning. You said, like, steal some ideas from these other clubs. It's not stealing ideas. They stole ideas from these, for those clubs. Okay. Well, then follow the, the tradition. Yeah, follow, you need to – I think that you have to take things that people have learned to do because they work, and so you might as well take those and bring them to your club. I mean, the the guy that I – his name is Tom Sims. He owns a club called Stir Crazy in Phoenix. And, uh, like, he didn't reinvent any wheels. He just he just kept it very tight, and he made sure that the staff had a good time and were on top of their business. And he did other – like, he, he actually – he did one thing that I thought was really cool. He uh, – and he, when I say you don't recreate the rule the, the, the wheel. wheel, but you can do things to improve it. Uh, he made this uh, little teeny, uh, like it's just a little box. It sits on the table that you has the like, like plexiglass with the drink specials in or whatever right. it is. But there's a switch on it. 
and they tell you about it at the beginning. You can turn the switch, and it's a little green light, one that you don't even notice from the stage because it's really light. It's just a little green light. It lights up on the table, and that way the server... The, the server can see that that table wants some service, right. and they come over instead of, and this is what a problem at a big club, and you'll get this. Uh, the, the big clubs, a lot of times the servers, because there's the two-drink minimum, the whole thing, they're constantly coming over to the tables, and they're trying to, right. and the servers can be loud. They can cause some uh, disruption in the room in the front, especially in the front. But he has these little things on there, so when they want that, if they want a third drink or if they right. need something, they just put that little light on. They show up. So he's invented something. I thought that right. was genius. Right. But, again, he learned that because he went to clubs, and he would go to clubs as a guest, and he would see the things that he didn't like that was happening at the clubs. Right. And that's – you don't have to necessarily even go go to a place that you hear runs, runs well and go see what they're doing, see what you enjoy, and see what you can improve. Right. So I don't – because I don't think there's any rules in this game. I, I just – there are some better clubs. But dude, I've been all over the country with you, and this, these are, there's very few clubs that, that, that miss. That can, there's very few clubs that can afford headliners at your caliber and the, and the headliners that are coming in that we see right. that miss completely all the time. Yeah. And, you know, listen – Maybe I just need to wash this taste out of my mouth. I, th- I think they're just having a hard time with coming back from COVID and everything, <sighs> and they're not they're not there yet. Right. And wish them luck. Of course, with you, always, yeah. always. Um, you know, just like how they say there's a science, the sweet science. There's a science to boxing. There's got to be a science to comedy. Like I, I, I almost wish I could just really figure out the the breakdown of why is it that something that clicks over here is not clicking over here? What the fuck is it? It's baffling to me. It's baffling to me um, that you could be somewhere doing something and you know you're saying to yourself, "This material works. This shit is funny." Why are y'all not responding to this? Why are y'all making me feel like I don't know what I'm doing? Well, culturally, it could be different. But, okay. If funny is funny. Yeah, but, yeah. Yes. Funny is funny, but you could, you know, because we're all in the United States of America, if we go to, uh, when we went to Canada, it's just above us. Funny's funny, but it, they don't get the same references and the same things that we're talking about. But I have to chalk some of that up to it's still a different country. Yeah. It's still a different country, and they operate within their country how Canadians are, how they think, how they move. You know what I mean? Yeah, they know a lot of American shit, but they're still Canadian. But, it, we, but it's different states, and we operate different culturally in, each, in different states. Listen, it's no surprise that a lot of people have a harder time in the South unless they're Southern comics. Yeah, maybe it's me, though. Maybe it's it, me. It, I don't think it's, it's you. Me. I just think it's, it's a different—you have that New York way of speaking. It's a quicker pace. I had to slow so I had to slow down so much tonight when I told that joke. I know I, I speak fast, and where have I been called out for it? In Atlanta, uh, here, where else have I been in the South that I've been called out for it? That I, that I'm just I'm speaking too quickly, dude. Like I know guys like Bruce Bruce, Lavelle Crawford, 
Arnez J. They murder here. I just don't think I do as well here. And, and but, but but what's weird is people will come up to me and say, "Man, you my favorite comedian. Man, we love you." But I don't get that. I, I'm not feeling that while I'm on stage. I'm not feeling like they do. Well, we also had smaller rooms because, like, still the social distancing and everything that's going on right now. I, I don't, you know, uh, laughter is somewhat contagious. You know, you make some few people laugh and then everybody starts laughing. And it's hard when the room's spread out like that. Okay. Some of the people were wearing masks. I mean, that's, I'm not, I'm not defending anything. I'm just saying, I, did you, are you looking at it from this perspective? I got you. I just feel like, I don't know. It's weird because they're telling me they like me. But I don't feel like they do, and because the connect, like when I perform on the East Coast, when I perform on the West Coast, when I perform a lot of places in the Midwest, I walk off the stage going, "Yeah, they like me," because it's obvious. I felt it in the South, man. I just I feel like I don't connect with them like like I do everywhere else. But they're not saying I stink. They're not saying we hated you. They're not booing me. I just, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't feel like I, I connect with them but like, the way I'd like to. Bruce Bruce, though, he, he, he's from Atlanta, right? Uh, I think so. I don't know for sure. I mean, I think when you grow up in this, uh, in this area, in, in the South, though, you have, a, you, you already, you have, that's innate, and then you go out and you, you do your comedy to the whole country. But you you ha- you already have that built in that 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 pattern that you speak in that is comfortable here because I think it is different and I think people that have never really lived in the South feel that but I think people who you can go like you can go out of New York and I, I know a lot of New York comics that are in New York and they get them the East Coast gets them but then as they move to the Midwest and even to the West they don't get them the same way. I just wish that's why I'm saying the science of it. I'd love to know what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? What should I be doing? And I felt like if I if I performed here enough, eventually I would find it. I would find, oh, okay, now I see what I'm I should be doing, or now I, I'm getting it now. But to be honest, I could name on one hand all the clubs I've been to in this area of the country. Most of the places I perform are east, west, and midwest. I really don't do the Deep South enough to, to build that, that momentum. So then it, it has a little bit to do with how you... It is me. It's me then. Yeah, it's me. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's... God, I don't want to say it that way either. I don't think it's your goal to be a Southern comic. I think it would be your goal just to figure out how to connect a little bit easier. You don't, you don't need to be... Yeah, but I, I going back to what to that word connect. There is a disconnect. There is there's a disconnect from p- people who are are not from the South in the first place. And then there's the, you getting into your pattern, and you're you're solid. You know what? You've been doing comedy for thirty years. How are you gonna? You can't you can't just flip that. They have to come to see what you but, do. What, but what's saving me is when I improvise. When I improvise and I fuck with people and I go into the crowd, a lot of that is doing. Ten times better than my written material. But maybe that's just because they know it's in the moment and they, and they, they like it. That's the connection. I wish I could improvise. I, I improvised. I got, I got a couple new things out tonight, and they actually worked. But, I mean, never did I feel like I had uh, 
Tonight, I felt the only reason I like tonight is because I felt like I had four or five jokes that I strung together that worked. But it's I haven't had that this whole this whole week. Right. And I just don't present well out here. What's up? What else is on the menu? Uh, I wanted to talk about, and we didn't get to it last week, and so again, this is going to be dated too. I wanted to talk about. Uh, Rashan, is I'm going to say his name wrong in the beginning. Um, Mr. Brooks, Rashan, Rashan Brooks, right? Did I get it right? I believe so. Who got shot at uh, at Wendy's? And the only reason I wanted to bring it up is because we actually at the at the club we were at this week that we had some sheriffs that were there and some police that were there, and you came outside and you saw me talking at, to him and asking questions because I wanted I wanted some questions because he answered. And, uh, and and it's important for me to tell the story that these were all black officers. And as I asked him the question, everyone that I asked said it was a, it was a good shooting. It was a good shoot. I, I, and I don't mean to say it. It's, I hope that doesn't sound disrespectful. That, that that's that's the terminology that the police use. It was a good shoot, uh, as opposed to they were in the wrong, and. I was I, I didn't know I, I, I came to them and asked them openly and I was very I was very pleased that they responded uh, in a way that was open and respectful. It wasn't there wasn't any disc, there wasn't anything where they felt like I was trying to set them up or that they were mad that I was asking the question. But they were they were really adamant that once uh, the fight happened, and the guy's running. That it's for everyone's safety, and I couldn't, I couldn't disagree more. I really couldn't, and that that's where I, I, I really believe. And no one really cares what I believe, but I'm going to be just honest about what I want to say is that the problem. Obviously, there is a there still is a black and white problem. On the police force, I think that there is some obviously there's some racial issues, obviously. But when I heard these officers that happen to be black have the same opinion that other officers that I heard on television had, it's policing, and this is makes me feel more. Um, I don't feel so odd about my feelings of defunding, which isn't replacing the police. It's just putting funds in other areas for better communities. And I really see that it's, it's, it's in the policing. And there's going to be somebody that's yelling right now, listening to this, going, of course, because the police was set up initially as, as a slave patrol, and that's, this is carried down. But we've had years to progress, and it seems that no progression has occurred in policing because if every officer just feels that, Someone turning around, turning. Okay, let's let, let me back this up a little bit further. He had, when he started to chase him, he already had his gun out, so he was willing to shoot him before he turned around with the gun, with the with the taser. So that was the policing. But where I am disagreeing is because a lot of the people I listen to, uh, a lot of people that I read and I and I respect their opinions. But they want to hold the other officer that was there to the same accountability as as being the shooter, 
And he wasn't. He was actually the one having the good conversation. The other guy came on who was the DUI patrol. He didn't, whatever the reason that he became the guy that he became um, and the way that he tried to put him in the cuffs and it didn't work out and they all went to the ground. But that other guy was just chasing him. He never pulled his gun out. And so I have two problems. One, I think the other guy was wrong. I think he was definitely, that was not, that was, he shouldn't have shot him. Not only shouldn't he have shot him, but he was also shooting him where there was a crowd of, there was people around. And then the other guy, though, I don't feel, I don't feel should be suffering the same consequences if, if it was never his intent uh, to, sh- to fire upon the other guy, uh, to, to Mr. Brooks. So I, I'm just confused um, because, I'm, again, I find myself in the middle in that uh, where everybody find, always wants me to put me, like, on the fence. And I'm not. I, I mean, I really have a real feeling that there was some definite ways to uh, look at this and be able to say this happened here, this is what happened here, and this is what happened here, and then let the uh, uh, the law fall as it will. But I, I, I'm I, I, this has caused more. Obviously, this is uh, it was horrible that this happened in general that this would even happen. But with everything that's happening right now, it's caused more confusion. And I don't know how much you've been listening to it or watching it. I mean, other than the fact that I know that he was shot while running. um, In the back, though. Yeah, in the back. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I don't know how much more I need to know about it other than it sounds like same old, same old. You know, somebody posted something on Instagram that's basically said resisting arrest is not grounds for murder, period. And at the end of the day, I can't argue with that. No, period. Yeah. Well, there wouldn't be jails full of people if they were killing everybody who did every did everything wrong. You can't kill someone because they've done something wrong. You have to be you have to feel like you are actually in danger. The problem is, from what I understood from the police, the, the, the police and the sheriffs that I spoke with. The definition of danger, of being in intimate danger, is where, where you're only supposed to use lethal force. Is any time that... I, I, don't, I don't understand what the... De- I, I, don't really, I didn't really understand what their definition is. He said the taser could actually kill you if it shot, shot, shoots you in the wrong place. Or hits you in the wrong... Well, I would it, imagine if you're you know, overweight or if you have any kind of high blood pressure or anything to jolt your system... That can cause you to have a heart attack. That kind of electricity being shot through your body. Okay. So you know, I I, I could definitely see how that could be a reality. Yeah. I so I, I but those it, it, the cops who were chasing them weren't out of shape. I don't know. I I just didn't feel that I I didn't. Okay. Let me say it this way. I didn't know whether they were in intimate da- intimate danger, and if they were, I also thought you weren't supposed to discharge a, a weapon when you could injure other people, uh, right. innocent bystanders. Right. So, how do you weigh all that out? And you listen uh, to any police that listen to this. I, I'm. I know there's good police out there. I know there's good policing being done. I want everybody to go home at the end of the night, and I want people that arre- like like where this happened is if they arrested him for DUI and they took him to jail. I, I just believe he has the right to make it to the jail. And if you have his ID, you have his license, he's on foot, he can't get to the car, you could follow him easily. And he, you know he doesn't have any weapons, you patted him down. Um, I, I just have a really hard time with it. I don't know if it's because 
my room is so goddamn hot. So anything, everything that's so uncomfortable is causing me to experience a lot of unpleasantness. But I had a dream um, this morning that the police kicked the living shit out of me because uh, of all the pro-black militant shit I post on Instagram. They were, they were, they've been watching me, and they arrested me, and they kicked the living shit out of me. Uh, of course, I woke up in a heap of sweat. Um, but thank God dreams don't mean much. Um, but, yeah, that made me think of that. Um, you, I mean, you really had that dream? Yes. Yeah, Do you really think you post militant stuff? Well, you know, I, I post a lot of fuck Trump, fuck his supporters, fuck the police. Um, you and hundreds of thousands of others. Yeah, I know, but. For some reason, I always feel like there's a target on my back. Do you do you ever worry like when you're dr- if you ever got pulled over would would you worry not would you worry that because of what you posted or because of the podcast or because of it what someone the opinion of an of a I I, I still don't think that we're at a level where we're being watched like that. Oh, I um, definitely know we're not, but you never know who listens though. Yeah, yeah, but I also think that because our numbers aren't Joe Roganish, uh, that definitely. Uh, makes the chances smaller. Yeah. Um, but you're right. You never know. But I, and listen, I'm not def- dare going to say anything of the nature of comply and how you behave. Um, but you know, because if a racist cop is going to do racist shit, it don't matter how good you be a fucking saint. If he's going to fuck you up, he's going to fuck you up. He, he, he don't need a reason. That's just what they do. Um, but I also believe in, again, not fueling a fire. Uh, so every time I've always been pulled over, like, listen, man, again, I've, I think I mentioned it with Shabazz OG, how he had, he showed the footage of the the guys taunting the cops. Yeah. You little motherfucker. I'll fuck you up. And he said, we not support no goofy shit. Um, I've seen the footage of, of dudes who, Try to read cops their right. Not try to tell cops. I know my rights, um, and 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 they might be right. They know the laws. Let me, let me get your badge number and your name. I know based on this law, you can't tell me to. I don't have to. And I remember Patrice was saying, "Look, man, don't nothing make cops matter than trying to tell them you know your rights, because um, they can arrest you under some shit. Uh, I don't know if it's disorderly conduct or something about." If they tell you to move over there and you don't want to move over there, they can just say some technical cop shit that'll get you arrested for not complying. Um, And I know I'm probably butchering this up because I heard it on Opie and Anthony. It was a lot more detail, but um, I'm saying all that to say this. When a cop's ever pulled me over, I, yes, sir. No, sir. Uh, I'm reaching for my boom. I don't try to motherfucker fuck you i don't play the attitude game um well it doesn't work no it doesn't work and i don't understand what the point of it would be well because people especially right now think that they have because they want to stand up you want to stand up for yourself but the thing is you do but also again and if and if a cop's agenda is i'm a racist motherfucker and i'm gonna fuck with you then he gonna do what he gonna do, or he just has a little guy syndrome, and he doesn't want to be uh, second guessed or told that you're wrong, told that you're wrong. So I'm just I'm I'm more or less thinking of look, motherfucker, you got a gun, you got tasers, you got nightstick, 
You got a radio. You call for backup. I'm looking to get out of this situation as quickly as possible. As quickly and as smoothly as possible. I ain't trying to be, I don't want to feel like no punk. I don't want to feel like no bitch. I don't want to be labeled, oh, you punk ass nigga, you bitch. You know, oh, you just want to, you roll over. Oh, none of that. But I don't want to fuck with a situation that feels like dynamite. Well, it's not only that, though, but you have to remember, the police can arrest you for anything. For anything. And they could just write it out, and you still have to go to jail. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can fight it. You can go to court. They'll be dismissed, and you have to do all that shit. Right. But they can do whatever they want to do. This is the thing that people are missing. The police can do whatever they want to do. Well, they've been doing that. Yeah, the structure is set up that way. So if they can do whatever they want to do, if they can make a, they, they can say it's disorderly conduct. You could say, I was never disorderly. They can still arrest you for it. They can take you to jail. They can, and you can fight the rest out in court. In court. Right. But they can do that with, without any provocation. I, I said, I told you to turn around. You didn't turn around. You're disorderly. Uh, uh, you, you, you avoid, what is it? Uh, you fought arrest or what? I forgot what the proper. Resisted. Re- yeah, resisted arrest. You resisted arrest. What is resisting arrest? They can say whatever they want to say. You can record whatever you want to record. You could take it to court, but you're gonna to have to take it to court. You're gonna to have to go see the judge. You're gonna get a lawyer. You can. To... So if you can avoid all of that, why wouldn't you? By just whatever, man. But uh, but that but also that being said, that doesn't give anybody a right to kill anybody. Absolutely, and and, and uh, you know, again, it, it it feels like you know because I I know some people might listen to this. And go, oh, man, you being a punk, you letting them walk over you. And no man wants to ever be made to feel like he's a punk. No man or no human being wants to be made to feel like they can be walked over. But you do have a decision to make. And you can either choose to be Rambo and deal with a bunch of nonsense. Or you could choose to suck it up and go, let me just do what I got to do to get out of this. And go about my day. But there are other people who are going to say... If that dude, the cop has chosen to take me out, he's going to take me out anyway. Right. So no matter how you act. Yeah. So, I, and I get that, 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 but I think, I think you give them less. I think even if you ran into that cop and you gave him no reason to do that, I'm not saying he still wouldn't. I'm just saying, but you gave him less reason to, and he's going to do it anyway. And if he's going to do it anyway, you fucked regardless. But again, if you know you near dynamite, why do you want to bring a match with you? You know what I'm saying? Why are you sparking a flame when you know you're next to dynamite? But then we have to also, before we leave that alone, we have to be honest about this. I've seen plenty of those videos where it's a white dude and he's fucking with the cops and he's fighting with the cops. That one where the, the, the woman is yelling at, at Harry or whatever, don't right. do that. Don't. He beats the cop. He beats the other cop. And then he gets in the cop's car and he drives off. Well, he got a special he got a special power that we don't have, so he can do that. Nah, nah. I, I saw. Know, I know what you yeah, mean, but he yeah, can do that. But I saw another video where, it, and, and listen, this is this isn't funny, but this is the truth. There was a cop that was uh, there was these cops that were fighting with a white dude, and uh, the uh, and and it was you know I guess it was a black area because there was a lot of black people out there, and oh, yeah. all of a you just you deserve. <laughs> Light him up. If it was a black dude, you would have lit him up. Light him up. Mm. And listen, I, and I get it, man. If, if, if things aren't good, if, if, if we're going to call it equal, then 
and they say they aren't attacking the police don't have a, a a bias against black people then why wouldn't that guy have been lit up if if he's doing it to everyone else right. how much time we got we can uh be six minutes all right this is perfect uh i only got two emails i want to read okay uh so we can go out on that um and he's going to be very excited because this is from Kosh Soul. Uh, so here we go, brother. You were saying you felt like we weren't showing you enough love. So we're going to show you some love. I like this dude. Um, and he labels it O Steve. So without further ado, O, o Steve. Thank you, Aries and Andy, for finally reading my emails again. Appreciate you both. By the way, got love for Matthew Riggins. few questions for you both. One, is there any real loyal friendships between comedians, or is it strictly just business-type relationships? How do you know who to trust in the game? Um, I'm assuming there is. Maybe Andy will tell me there is. Um, but I've said before, I have associates. I have, uh, what's that word, colleagues. Um, I have peers. But I'm very careful to say who is my friend. I don't fuck around with that word. Godfrey's my guy. Like, that's my guy. Um, It's my boy. I love Godfrey. Um, So I'll say he's my friend. How, How deep a level we go as friends, we ain't been through nothing. We ain't argued. We ain't tried to fight each other. We ain't slept over each other's crib. We ain't really broke bread together we don't have dirt on each other so we're friends but you know um you know i consider andy more of a friend because we have done those things so yeah i'm not that dude like that you know but i'm sure they exist they always exist in the beginning through poverty in the beginning through struggle in the beginning through we're on the same level starting out. Then when one motherfucker blow up and the other person ain't at, at that level, things get different. Some dudes maintain those friendships. Other times, things get different. So, I, I think it's the people you come up with. And But what you just said, when you're all poor together, you're all friends. Yeah. And then when someone starts to move up a little bit, as long as other people in that in that in that friendship, those people you're coming up with are moving up to or feel like are are really close to you and happy for you and you're you're still fighting for them to do well. Right. I think that becomes a great friendship. And I see those friendships I don't know them per I mean, I don't know those people where I'm hanging out with them, but right. I see them when I go to Hollywood or in New York sometimes right. I'll see those people who who've maintained relationships through their career. But a lot of people feel that this is a zero-sum game, and they're so looking out for themselves because they feel that that's the only way they can make it. And so there isn't a lot of true friendships. There's a lot of comedy friendships, entertainment friendships. I, I do say my comedy... I'll say a lot of times, that's my comedy friend. That's a comedy friend. and Because I know that they're not... My, my friends, uh, I feel like I could call them if I broke down and needed someone to come get me. And see, just, what you, just, just, just what you said... If you felt you something happened to you, if you needed something, yeah. you feel like you should be able to call him and do that. So that's why you call him your friend. 
and I feel like they should also check on you to see if you're okay. Okay. Now look, um, Tiffany Haddish is we cool, man. We cool. But I don't feel comfortable calling her now because I know everybody else does. I shouldn't feel that way. I should not feel that way. I should feel just as easy to call her as I would you. But I don't do it because I go, man, you know how many motherfuckers is calling her now but that's, and wanting something? But that's kind of on you a little bit because if you called her a few times, I think you'd break, break past that. But I have to say, hey, congratulations. Happy for you. But I just don't, I, I just don't want to be that dude. And, and nor has she ever called me to go, hey, I remember when you, hey, how are you? Hey, I got something I'm doing it. And you know what? She don't have to. She does not. I, I don't expect her to. She, you know, she owes me nothing. But then you feel like you're comedy friends, not friend friends. All right. Your relationship is through comedy. Okay. Not through personal. Yeah, I, that word friend, again, I, I just... I, I say comedy friends because I do have people that I can call up in this business and say, hey, what's going on, and ask them a question, get some... Gu- but they're not like... They're not coming over to my house to eat. Right. I'm not going to dinner with them. But you, you... What I learned about you is if I... The, you know, because I said if I needed some gas, they'd bring me some gas. Right. You wouldn't bring me gas. But you would pay someone to bring me some gas. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. And that's, to me, just as noble. It is. bringing it, you the it, gas. It is. It is. It's yes. like, yes, I know you're stuck. Let me get this handled get for right. you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, second question. Uh, what's the most fascinating dream you've ever had after the best sleep of your life? After the best or during the best. He should say during the best sleep. Because what's the most fascinating dream you've had? After the best sleep of your life, who has a fascinating dream after they've woke up? Yeah, you're right. It should be during. I've said this before. um, There is no dream that is better and worse at the same time. I've had dreams, dude, where I'm in some mean pussy. (laughs) And it's so real. My dick is hard as a frozen Snickers bar. And I wake up, I, I could feel myself in the sleep thrusting. Because I always say I sleep with three pillows, one under my head, one in between my legs, and one that I bear hug. And I'm telling you, man, I am thrusting that pillow I'm hugging. And somewhere in there, I wake up and I go, fuck, this ain't real. But I got the wood, but no pussy. It's the, it's the best, worst dream ever. Have you ever broke a pillow? Have you ever? No. <laughs> this is stuffing all no, over no, your bed. No, no, no. Uh, I don't remember my dreams. You don't? No. Mm, that's weird. Yeah. Really? No, I don't. I'll remember, like, like maybe when I first wake up, I might, like, capture a couple. Right. But then I won't remember. Like, within a couple of seconds, it's gone, and I can't remember them. Okay, so this question you wouldn't even be able to answer. What sucks is if you ever had a great dream, you woke up. And it was so great, you wanted to get back to it, but now you can't go to sleep? Uh, no, I really haven't. I know that I've had a dream where I'm like, that was good. I wanted to go, like what you're saying, you want to go back. But I don't remember any of them. When I wait, by the time I really wake up, they're gone. Like it, when, I, when you wake up like that where you said, I, I want to go back to it, you're kind of half asleep still. 
Right. That's why you're thinking if you go back, back to you, it, you yeah. can pick up. I can, I can still kind of know, what, but I won't remember what it is. I'll just know that I wanted to go back. But I won't wake Damn. up remembering what the dream is. Damn. I did have a weird dream. That, uh, that, and I don't know why I remember this one. I don't even know if I should tell this dream. Uh, I, wanted to find, <laughs> I wanted to fuck this girl, but I had to take this test. And it was like a box, and I had to like stick my dick in these holes in the box. And I took my dick out, and it was really long, like an octopus. But it was thin at the end. It was like an octopus arm. And, uh, and I just woke up scared. It just freaked me out. You were scared because you got a big dick? No, no, because it was thin. Oh, I just looked at the really thin. You know how octopuses, like the tentacles get really thin? So yeah. that's what I was looking at. It was how thin it was. at the Right. And it freaked me out, and I woke up. And I don't know why. Of all the dreams that I, never, I don't remember, that I remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, while performing stand-up, if you could hit the freeze button to change anything about the audience at any time, would you do it or let things happen organically the way it was meant to be? It's perfect for today. Man. <laughs> hit the button and change them immediately. Dude, I almost see uh, uh, The Wizard of Oz. Right. You know where you see the house spinning and it yeah. lands in the other in the in the wizard land. Right. You would just this week you would you would you whatever flip that switch right. and, and the the club would just fly fly and end up somewhere else. Somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, lastly, a fun scenario. These folks are all sitting in one room together. Imagine them all in a circle, sharing their stories about their sexual fantasies. For each person sharing their fantasy story about sex describe your first reaction after they have finished their story whose fantasy story would you remember most on your way home which one has you in tear ducts the most and then he names jordan aries andy tyson biggie patrice Chappelle, eddie denzel maya angelou dude you can't do that without giving us what their stories are yeah you have to go a step further and make up what their stories are. Obviously, you're making them up, but we, you, how, how do we know to react if we don't know what the story is? I don't know, but just from that whole point, the Biggie is the one that, that I, I th- how can you be, Biggie was named Biggie for a reason. Okay. He's a big dude. Yeah. Not attractive. Yeah. And he's still pulled. Yeah. That, how much swag do you have that you, like, I would have liked to have met that, how charming are you? You have to be charming, right? There's niggas like that every day. Them niggas, yeah. That charming. Yeah. That's, that's, that's another level of charming, though. Right. You can't. Yeah. See, Cuffs, you know we love you, nigga. Uh, matter of fact, I want to tip my hat off to you because when I was on uh, Instagram, I saw where it said, Cush Soul is going live now with LL Cool J. And I was like, I, I thought that was telling me that you were one of the fans that was watching him go live. But then when I saw the picture, you and him were actually live together. I want to know that story, nigga. <laughs> How the fuck did you end up talking to LL Cool J live on Instagram where you and him are having a back and forth? But oh, So I'm, I, I love you, Kulsh. But see, this is why the professionals are the professionals. Because when it comes to creativity, you just showed your limitations. I love... Your, your attempt, but you can't just stop it. Here are the names. Give us your reaction. You got to give us more than that. 
You got to give us, based on personalities, what would Biggie say? What What are the stories? What are the se- We'd have to actually hear that. We can't just, in our own heads, make up what they would say and then go, here's my reaction. Nah, you'd have to give us examples, man. $10, a lot of money. Love and peace, my patadas. Your boy, Kosh. Love you, dog. Uh... Yeah, keep. I like you know. Listen, man. I like some of the shit you come up with. I like the questions. I like the challenging stuff. But uh, yeah, sometimes lead a heavy lift into the niggas that lift heavy shit. I like that dude though. I do too, man. Aries, let me ask you a question. Describe your most sexual nigga. Sit up. Sit up and put your clothes on. All right, last one, and then we're going to get the fuck out of here. PLLP. This is Police Leroy and Leroy Police. Why no more big, great comedians being born? Sup, Aries. I've been on a binge watch of comedians, and I have found that a lot of comedians that I keep going back to are the ones that came out of the deaf comedy jam era. It's crazy to see how many stars... Came from that one show, Martin Lawrence, Chris Tucker, Bernie Mac, Chappelle, Eddie Griffin, you, and a bunch more. And I'm sitting here like, where is the show for the new comedians to showcase their talent? The only new comedian who's under 30 that I know about is DC Young Fly, who sounds so much like Chris Tucker, it's ridiculous. That's me saying that. And he is the type of comedian that bounces well off other comedians rather than solo, which is why he does the 85 South show. I was listening to Bernie Mac reading his audio book, and this brother just beams with talent, funniness, and energy. Michael Kyer is another another brother that kills it. Can't believe he's he isn't more well-known. Do you think new comedians aren't as funny nowadays because they're always on the Internet and have less experiences to draw from than their, mater- draw from their material, or is it because they don't get opportunities? Keep up the great work, Leroy Jenkins. What do you think? Well, when he used Def Jam, I think it's an unfair comparison because yes. that was a pool of yes. black comics who were just the, sitting there. Net waiting, waiting. For the opportunity. Yes. So that was, they were fishing. There that was an was, explosion. That was like fishing out of a barrel. There yes. was just You were just pulling yes. great comics that were, were well known in certain areas. Yeah. But they, weren't, they didn't have national exposure. Yes. So that, that's an unfair comparison to yes. right now. Uh, but there's some under 30, there's... I think there's some good comics under 30. Who? And the defense rest, No, 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 no. I'm going to... If you got to Google them, nigga... No, it's because, you know, I don't remember names. Well, let me, let me, let me uh, pontificate. Um, It'd be... Listen, it'd be interesting to see... And don't even call it Def Jam, because, because if you call it Def Jam, you automatically make the comparison, which, like Andy said, is unfair. But there needs to be a new something like Def Jam to see who's out there. Um, because I think it would be naive to assume that there aren't people out there. But at the same time, it wouldn't be out of the realm of reality. Because, again, things come in waves. Things, are, things come in eras. And Def Jam was an era. Def Jam was a wave. There are times when there's just a slow 
wave, a slow era. Look at it. Look at it in 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 sports. There hasn't been a dominant heavyweight American champion. Well, people will say Deontay Wilder, but I mean, prior to him, there hadn't been. It's all been European guys with names you can't pronounce. The last great era of heavyweights American was the '90s. Riddick Bowe, uh, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. Um, that's three. Even I know George Foreman was old, but he still became champ. Michael Morer. Um, you know I'm looking at basketball today. LeBron is the only superstar mega. Okay, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, but LeBron is the dude. Whereas in the 90s, again, Jordan, Bird, Magic. Uh, uh, I know Bird is more 80s, but um, Barkley, Reggie Miller, David Robinson, you know, Stockton, Malone. It just feels like today's era, comedically, is just not as strong. Now, again, I don't know if that's because... Like, if, if, if put it like this, if they were out there, wouldn't a new Def Jam type of show automatically have been put together by now so we can know who those guys are? I, I, I don't know if you could do that like that again, though. Why not? Because it, it was... Because, like, like we're saying, it was, there were was so many ready to go. I mean, you could do, you know, what they didn't do. Well, I, you know what, to your point, I'll agree. Because there were times when they tried to bring Def Jam back. Uh, and they had different celebrity hosts. D.L. Hewley was one of them. Mike Epps was one of them. And no one seemed to, and they shot it out in L.A. Whereas before, when Def Jam first came out, they were all shot in New York. When Once they started shooting Def Jam in L.A., there were comics, but nobody left a mark that from that moment on you knew, okay, this is a new name and face that's now cemented on the scene. Those comics came and they went as quickly as they came. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But remember, the uh, like comedy, it runs like that. There used to be, uh, remember Evening at the Improv, they used to have that where they would all, right. and then uh, what was it? The new, new fake, new comedy where they always had the new comics. That was also an improv show, I think. Like, dude, you know how many times I've sat up and I've seen comedy shows where they're introducing new comics to the scene, whether it's live at Gotham. I can't remember all the names, but a, a late night show on NBC. Comedy Central comes out with a thing every now and then where they showcase four or five new comics. And to be honest, they're not blowing the doors off the hinges. They, well, listen, dude, when it comes to entertain, entertainment, whether it's sports, movies, TV, everybody wants to do it. it, it it's, it's like the market is flooded. Everybody wants to go, I'm a comic, I do comedy. Let's say there's... 500,000 motherfuckers that want to be comedians. The percentage of motherfuckers who are actually good is so small. Okay, but here's the other reason that I think that this is a problem. Um, back when, like when you, going back to Def Jam, 
yeah, there was a big pool, but these comics had been working that material for a long time. Right. Everybody used to work. You, everything lived at least five years because you could really make a joke. You might get a joke in that first year and you, you hone it to it's really good. And then two years into doing that joke, you might have like, oh, you know what would be great is to tag it with this or something comes up and you put it in that. And a joke that's at five years may be like a, like a super joke. Like it just has everything together. You don't have that much time to work material anymore. Right. Everybody's putting out something every year, every two years. And it's, I, 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 was, uh, I don't remember what comic it was, but it was like he, he, he worked for a year to get that special ready. And then he right. had their special ready and he did the joke. He, he shot his special. The very next week, he was on the road doing a show like at a club, and he came up with the tag for like the closing joke that would have made that joke even better. Right. But he can't even go back to doing the joke because he just put it out on an album, so he's already onto new stuff. So things aren't maturing the same way. Jokes aren't. It, it, I, there was a really good thing about coming up with new material all the time, but there's some things that aren't getting refined enough. They're not getting deep enough. They're not. Yeah, they're, right. It almost feels like a fast food comedy, like like how everybody wants to open a new McDonald's. Hey, there used to be a, this used to be nothing, and now there's a McDonald's here. Like everybody just like a fucking factory, just pumping them out, pumping them out. And you know, quality over quantity, man. Well, and 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 I hate to say this, but let's go back to calling it the uh, the machine. Man is looking for the next thing, and they don't want to wait for it to mature. Right. They right. want the next thing. Right. Look, you know what? And, and they're such in a rush for the next thing. It's like they'll put out product and go, this is the next thing because we say it is. Without letting the people decide, yep, this is the next thing. But it could be the next thing. You know who's, I'm going to give it a good example. And, and this, I don't, I'm not saying that it, it, he's not good because he is. He's really good. Uh, Gerard Carmichael. They put him out as the next thing. And because he didn't blow up the way that they wanted him to be the next thing. They already were moving on. So now, why do you think he didn't blow up? And before you answer, I'm not saying the guy's not talented. I think he's very talented, and he's very smart. Um, I'm only asking that because if they said he's the next thing and he didn't take off, why is that? Be- okay. I, I think his style is, is different. He's very relaxed. He's... Uh He's very uh, thought-provoking, and I think he's more. I think some. I think sometimes when you become that thought-provoking, sometimes your comedy uh, is ahead, and also you don't. Uh, the people find it to be more of a thought than funny because they're right. not ready for it. They haven't caught up with it. Right. I, I think that he was saying things, and he was ahead of his time actually for where he was. But because it didn't blow up the way that they wanted to, and because people didn't catch on to him the way that they wanted to. I think, you know, that's why they don't look – your, your shelf life is so much smaller now. I'm I, I, I 100% sure that Gerard Carmichael will be a household name in the future. But he, he, they wanted it to be like Instantaneous. That. Yeah, that's because they're looking – they want to make money. This is, a, this is a money machine. Entertainment's entertainment. And when they want you, they want you to blow up. And if you don't do what they want you to do – Right. And I'm not saying he didn't do what they wanted to do. The, they wanted a bigger splash. And, and this was just me asking. This is not me saying. This is not saying that this is what I believe. But that's why I said, ultimately, I think the people decide who's the next, be- next big thing. So would it have been a case of maybe the people going, yeah, we like them, 
but not like how you want us to like him to where he's right. the next big thing. Well, going back to what he said, though, you know, um, why is there a great comic? Look how Chappelle struggled in the beginning. Before the Chappelle show, Chappelle had been doing comedy for years. Right, but, but when you say he struggled, he didn't struggle in the sense of... He struggled in mainstream success, in the big, in the big getting a, a TV series, which how many, you know, uh, they talk about how many times he tried to get a, a, a TV series out. What, 30, 40 times, 50? I don't know if it's that many. I know uh, it was at least 30. Okay, I'd like to fact check that. Okay. Um, but I also know he said that he turned down a lot of stuff too. Some stuff because of the politics of it. Okay, the so, racial politics well, of it. So all that being said, though, you know, because you have time to mature, right? And not only when you when 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 we talk about maturing, it isn't just the comic that's maturing. The uh, social aspect of that comic is maturing, and the audience is maturing. Because the person who might see, going back to Gerard Carmichael, the 20-year-old that saw uh, Carmichael at 20, uh, in his late 20s, they're going to grow, too. And as he grows and they grow, there is a, a time when that, that all comes together. Right. And it's just not happening in the way that like Hollywood wants it to happen. Right. They want 22-year-old sensations. And I'm not trying to be mean about a 22-year-old or a 25-year-old, even a 30-year-old. Tw- There's some good 30-year-old comics out there. I'm not going to deny that. But you haven't lived the whole life at 30. Right. You haven't had your fucking dick smashed at th- yet. <laughs> you haven't just taken that beating yet. Right. And, that, and, and comedy comes from a place that is, it can be a little dark sometimes or, or, or painful. Right. And you need that. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I, and I hate to say this because I'm going to use the name, that's why Pauly Shore was a big deal in his 20s, and Pauly still has a great following, but it's those people that saw him in his 20s that still follow him to today. It's not like he had this, uh, uh, that he was the most talented comic. I think Pauly's very funny. I'm, I'm being political right now, and I do think he's very funny. I'm not even just saying that as a joke. I think he's a very interesting person, but he, that... That is what a 20-year-old comic is, and that's what a 20-year-old guy who wants to get laid is looking for in, in funniness. Right. Or I should say a white dude because he was, right. his comedy was an MTV, 1980s, right, 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 right. that kind of comedy. But that's what it is when you're in, in, you're in that age group. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because there's no denying anybody... Listen, whether you're a comedian and you, you, you're judging... Or whether you're an, a non-comedian, regular Joe, and you're judging anybody that's ever watched Patrice Stewart's thing, knew how great he was, uh, and he, they described him as a comics comic. Comics loved him. Yeah. But I remember when he he was on Opie and Anthony, and he was saying, "You know, man, after I did, uh, you know, Elephant in the Room, motherfuckers would call me and tell me, hey, man, that shit was good,' and I'd have to tell them." jokingly he's saying, hey, man, I, I can't be on the phone with you right now. Fame is about to call. I got to get off the phone, man. You tied up my phone. Fame is calling me. And he goes, fame never called me. So, but, and, and again, I, I, th- that's why this business is so fucking insane. Because I'm going, fame should have called him. Why didn't it call him? Because, and I'm not saying this is why. I'm saying I know. Okay. I'm gonna let you say what you're gonna say, and then I think I'm gonna follow up with with that is why. But go ahead. I think it's because, like you said, he's a comics comic. 
and I think he was a comics comic, and I, but he was a genius comic, and it took everyone else longer to catch it. He's just as famous right now being dead for all these years as he was when he was alive. Well, that's not what we want. No, I'm not saying that's what anybody <laughs> wants, but it took his society and, and for us as people to grow, to catch up to where he was already in greatness. You know, this is what's funny about, uh, to me, with comedy. You said, who's the great comic? It's not that the comic isn't out there. It's that we haven't caught up to what they're talking about or who they are. Because they're there, and maybe they haven't got that voice yet where they're at. But it's, it, it, it converges at the same time. Chappelle isn't, wasn't this comic before. He was always a genius comic, but we had to catch up to Chappelle. Right. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, it certainly helps. When you have a vehicle like the Chappelle Show, yes, to catapult you into that because of the record numbers that the DVD sales did, yeah, um, and well, and it, it opened him up to the audience that needed to find him, right? But that, but that audience wasn't there even even when Chappelle even earlier. Chappelle, what do you think Chappelle's best uh, uh, stand-up special was? <sighs> to me, it's a tie between Equanimity and. His very first one, uh, what what was that called? Um, God damn it! We're in the place where it's the race. Uh, the race was <laughs> to perfection. Oh now, uh, now this is pissing me off. See, that's why I don't equanimity and um, killing him softly. Killing him softly. Um, look, that's good. I remembered something. Right, right, right. Uh, I think that's I think that's the best one. That's I, I and I know why you say it's a tie. Which one's smarter? Equanimity. equanimity but the best just the raw is right right is killing him softly but people weren't caught up to that yet people right. he, he definitely had a crowd right but the masses hadn't caught up yet. right right see i would always and, and this is what's so unfortunate and so unfair because i was going to say what i thought you were going to say okay go ahead i want to hear about what you patrice was well look we we know he was self-sabotaging yeah, and, and 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 you know he alienated people and burned bridges. But I, I feel like when you're that good, unless you're just kicking babies in the face, nigga, on, on live television, when you're that good and you're that much of a genius, eventually it catches up to you in, in a good way. Yeah. Had he not died. Would the industry have eventually come around? Yes. Because he would have got another special yes. after Elephant in the Room. I, I say without a doubt he would have because the, the machine only cares about the money. Right. I mean, you could actually kick a baby if they could get the footage yes. and hide it so no one saw it. No, you could kick a baby and they'll allow the footage to be shown if you generate enough money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that, that is the point. I mean, I, I, think that, I don't think that everybody had caught up to him yet. I think that he was, and I don't think he ever played to the back of the room. I think he was speaking from who he was and wasn't trying to make comics laugh. There's a lot of right. comics that only make comics laugh. Right. But I think he was making, I think he was working for everybody to, to be the funniest com- comedian he was. And I don't think people were ready for it. And the machine definitely wasn't ready for it. And he needed more of the masses to come out for him. Right. But I think, honestly, when you talk to people, I think he's more famous today than he was then. Yeah, I mean, in legend. Yeah. But, you know, which but, sucks for the legend. But that being said, it would have caught up to him. Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, he was getting a little taste here and there. He was yeah, on. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he had always done here and there. Yeah. But as far as fame calling, uh, he himself, that's why he, a lot of times he said he was in such a state of depression because he just, it, it, it eluded him and he wanted it bad, even though he tried to act like he didn't. Well, that would go completely against his character of who he, who, who he, right. who he was. Right. But we all want, there's no one doing this and getting on stage in front of hundreds of people not wanting it. Right. Why else would you do it? Why else would you get up there? Yeah, I mean, but you know, most times in interviews, guy, there's a lot of guys that downplay that so much, like they don't want it. Like, hey, I just want to be able to get a little house and do this and achieve a little of that, and they downplay wanting it that bad. You know, I think there's a lot of people who are content in this business that if they didn't make it, because there's a very good possibility you're not going to make it to the to a large in that large way. But I think that, you know, you, you are pleased with the fact that you are seeing people, you have a, your following, and you get to live a life that many people don't get to, even if it is a modest life. But you're working for yourself, and you're not, you're not really doing, you're not putting up with, the, with Connie at the uh, cubicle next to you, listening to her eat her chips. Right. Bunch. So you, you're, you are ahead. But I don't think that there's anybody who, who would say that, you know, well, that's not what I'm doing it for. Uh, yeah, I don't think that the, the doing it for the money is, the, is going to get you there. But there's no one that's going to go, you know what, I'd rather not have it. Just keep the money. I, I wanna, I, I'm going to stick to uh, doing uh, B rooms. And uh, I'm really happy in the B rooms. Right. And I'm just going to keep selling my, uh, my CDs after the show. And uh, I'm going to call it a good day. Everybody right. wants... To be acknowledged for what for what they bring to the game. Yeah. Um, so I hope that answers your question, Leroy Police and Police Leroy. Uh, are we done? Yeah. Yeah. I want to get the fuck out of here. I'm exhausted. How do you think Patrice would have done in this room? That's what sucks about not having Patrice. Because I would have loved to have seen that. How he would have dealt with that. Like, they have Dave Chappelle's picture up at the club. Dave would never come here. But I would love to see how they receive him. Because you want to believe a person is so good at what they do and they're such a genius, they could, you know, Bruce Lee, become the bottle. Become the box. Be water. Dave would be it. He would be, would be what's necessary for them to get it. But you'll never know. Because, like, for instance, ah, let me go back. Gerard Carmichael. Now, I think in two weeks, we're at Baltimore Comedy Factory. Black Club. Three weeks. Three weeks. Some real niggas in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> them, them niggas. They said we had Gerard Carmichael here. Did not do well. Because them, them niggas. And we, again, we know the difference. You know what I mean? D.C. Negroes, like at the D.C. Improv. Is it different? It's different from Baltimore Merle, niggas, at that club. At the Comedy Factory. And and, and, uh, Gerard Carmichael's style of comedy, slow, thinking man's comedy, they say he struggled. Now, I think Dave is better than Gerard. Um... But Dave is also a thinking man's comedian. 
He's a chess comedian. He ain't a checkers guy. Nope. Um, so, yeah, man. But, okay, but Dave, early Dave, how would he do at, at the Comedy Factory? Early Dave, before it's Dave's so success. It's so hard to imagine Dave not doing well anywhere, but I don't know. But it's been said that he didn't do well everywhere. God, it would have been interesting to see. You know, there, there's a growth to all of this. It's, it's all it is. There's a growth to all of this. And like, uh, like you said, Gerard, he, he, they said he did struggle at Baltimore. But you know that he fucking tore the room up when he was in D.C. at the D.C. Uh, improv. It's it's there's different there's just different vibes in different places, man. Okay. And this is what this is what I do. Th- I have to thank you for you. Oh, you really showed me comedy all across this country, and it's not like you said you have to go on the road. And there's a lot of people. I I'm going to be really. I I, I should. I, I I know there's comics who will avoid the South like crazy because they can't get that rhythm. So. You have you ha- you have where that sign up sheet. You have brought me to every part of this, and I thank you for it because it has really it's, it showed me comedy. Whether I whether I could master it or not, you showed it to me. Yeah. All right, kitties. That's it, man. You we gave you. Uh, uh, we're only doing one this week because we're not on the road, but we gave you an hour and a half. So uh, forgive but, us. But we're still on the regular cycle. Yeah, but this is going to be on Wednesday. It's not going. We're not going to have a Wednesday Thursday. Wait, I'm confused. This is going to come out. Uh, when we're in Dallas, we're in, when this is out, yeah. this they're listening to right now, we're in Dallas. Yeah, on Wednesday. And so this will come out on Wednesday. When we're not in Dallas yet. All right. And then we're going to fly out there. So we're only going to give them one episode that week. We're not going to give them a Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, they're, meaning they're, email. Yeah. So they're just oh. going to get, they're going to get a, a nice, long uh, Wednesday episode. You're going to get a nice, thin, long Octopus tail. <laughs> Dude, it freaked me out. It woke me right up. <laughs> and that's why I remembered it, because it woke me up to, like, awake, not right. dozy. I woke up, and I was like... Well, so was it so thin you didn't even have the suction cups on it? I didn't see... Like, it almost had, like, a... Like, uh, like I, it was really weird. And it was, and I was trying to put it... And I had to prove... I had to prove... <laughs> all I know is that there was this box, and it had three different holes. I think I had to pick the right hole so that I was approved so that I could... I could fuck her. She was because she was there. She was like, you know, right. prove, prove, prove to me. Sounds like a Japanese anime. <laughs> I might have to write it up. <laughs> I saw. <talk>. Fuck. <laughs> Can you feel it, baby?